0: What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. And guys, check this out. Strava Craft Coffee is offering an incredible deal to all of our existing DNVR members. There's so many perks to becoming a member right now, and Strava Craft is giving you another reason to join. From today, Tuesday the 10th, through Monday the 16th until midnight, all DNVR members will receive 30% off. 30% 30% off their purchases. Of Strava craft coffee. If you haven't tried this incredible CBD infused coffee, well now is the time. And if you've taken advantage of the 20% off in the past, you can enjoy this awesome 30% off coupon. And if you're a member, you should have already received your email with details on how to retrieve your 30% off at Strava. And this is also the season of giving. This is a great opportunity to send a friend going through a hard time or family member. You haven't seen forever. A little gift. My personal favorite is toasted marshmallows. So delicious. But they also have milk chocolate, black cherry, brown sugar, mandarin, orange, etc. So many flavors and different milligrams and amounts of CBD. There's something for everyone. And if you're not a member yet, Strava still offers 20% off to all DNVR family using that magical code DNVR20 at checkout. If you become a member during the week during our member contest, reach out to help at the DNVR.com to get your Strava coupon code so delicious. Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday episode, week 10 in the NFL season. Can't believe it. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, gotta tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online msu denver online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life msu denver is the colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom msu denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs and this is exactly The people that have taken classes at MSU Denver that I've talked to, especially at DNVR, have said that the professors do a great job of bringing the real world because they they work in the real world into the classroom and teach you exactly what you need to know. So head over to msudenver.edu online to see all they have to offer and find out about all 750 classes that they have. So check them out, msudenver.edu online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you? Welcome back from Atlanta.
1: Thank you. I mean, it sounds like uh, an interesting morning yesterday. I mean, I believe, uh, how how late in the podcast did the Albert O. News hit when you guys were recording?
0: Uh, I want to say right in the middle of comments.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: we, we were able to get to it, but man, Mace, I mean, just what a bummer for an Albert O.
1: Yeah, and I wasn't surprised when he got hurt. The reaction he had right away, even though he was able to walk off the field under his own power, told me that he knew he'd pop something. And, and sometimes, you know, when you tear the ACL, you'll actually hear it. And I wow. wonder if, in the relative silence of pandemic NFL games this year, with I think there were only just over 7,000 fans in Mercedes Benz Stadium on Sunday, and they didn't make a heck of a lot of noise. And I wonder if he actually heard. Uh, the ACL go and he kind of, and he, he knew because when he, you know, his reaction was visceral and uh, his, his head was bowed as he walked all the way across the field after the injury. So, I mean, it really didn't surprise me that that's what the news was. I think he had that indication immediately. You're just glad it's a relatively clean ACL tear, but it's tough for him. It's tough for the team because he needs reps he needs work to improve as a blocker and become a better all round tight end to get extra snaps. And I was really hoping to see a lot more two tight end sets down the stretch. Now you're taking the potential for that and you're kicking that can down the road to 2021. It's another thing that uh, you're going to be working on and, and working out the kinks next year, rather than, you know, rather than trying to get it right this year. It's another thing that's putting you behind in your teams overall development. But uh you know, another log on the fire of injuries this year. So it goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mace, that's why I just wasn't surprised when it came down that it was a torn ACL. I think I was just expecting that after how bad the injuries have been for the Broncos. The good thing is from this, I, sh- I should say the fortunate thing, as Vic Fangio said of this, is it was just an ACL tear. Typically, uh, when these injuries happen, there can be more damage to other ligaments that happens. But Vic Fangio told us yesterday that it was just his ACL and he expects him to be good as new next year. So, so that's at least a silver lining to this, but man, just what a bummer. And of course that was Drew's safety blanket. Now, Drew does not have that anymore. Uh, and although he hasn't really used Alberto much in the past two weeks, certainly two weeks ago, he was, he was crucial in the Broncos comeback. So man, best wishes and a speedy recovery to Albert. Hopefully we see him back out there on, in, for training camp.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that would give everybody another off season to work on pronouncing Okwebunum.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, man. I mean, it, it's been rough uh, for those announcers. It it hasn't gotten better.
1: I mean, Okwebunum. Oh, I mean, oh, <laughs> Ooh,
0: that's what it. Uh, that's oh. what it tells. That's what it makes me do.
1: <laughs> Just call him Alberto.
0: Yes, and May speaking of uh, not very good trends right now like the broncos injuries the broncos defense is something that we haven't talked about but mace for the first time in over a decade they've allowed back to back to back 30 point games as we sit right now rightfully so all of the talk is about the broncos offense and drew lock but this vic fangio defense has not been good the past three games
1: no, it hasn't. And the thing is, it, it's gotten worse in the past three games. Now, Sunday, I'm giving a bit of a, I'm giving a free pass. Me too. As far as being without Bryce Callahan and A.J. Boyer on top of what you were lacking in the front seven, particularly on the defensive line, free pass. Uh, it happens. The, the outcome, yeah, it's probably different if you have either A.J. Boyer or Bryce Callahan out there. But, uh, It didn't work out. It didn't work out that way. You just have to forget it and move on. I think it was interesting to hear Vic after the game and he didn't say it, but you could kind of hear it in his voice and read between the lines that he was almost resigned going into that game, that it was going to take a shootout to win and he knew what he had or precisely what he didn't have at cornerback.
0: Yeah. And we, we now know that with Vic Fangio, he can't, Even Vic can't put a good defense together without more than half of his starters out.
1: You know what? I don't think Wade Phillips in his first season on a job with a team (laughs) could have put together a defense on Sunday that worked without those six starters that were missing. I I don't think there's anybody. I mean, I, I think buddy, buddy, Ryan in his prime, you know, uh, Dick LeBeau in his prime, not what he was when he uh, let Tim Tebow pass all over him. Just go through all the great defensive minds that have come through the sport. I don't think any of them could have made that thing work to allow fewer than 27 points in that game. Yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> so just kind of forget about it. But the week before, the hmm. defense at closer to full strength with Boyer and Callahan for, for much of the game uh, gave up. Thirty, the week before against Kansas City, gave up t- accounted for twenty nine points allowed, and earlier this season, twenty eight to Tampa Bay, twenty eight to the New York Jets. So, uh. you're you're talking about a situation, Zach, where the Broncos are on pace to allow more points this season than in any year since twenty ten. And yes, you have the Von Miller injury kind of hanging hanging over all of this and then Jarrell Casey on top of that uh, in terms of guys that are missing the entire season. And then Mike Purcell uh, thrown on that for the Charger game. But even with those absences, with Vic Fangio, Zach, should we be talking about a defense that's on pace for its worst season in points allowed in a decade? And that defense, by the way, a decade ago, it was dead last. They played the entire season without Elvis Dumerville. You had never – you had – you had a bunch of has-beens and never-will-be's. I remember like Jamal Williams was a has-been by that point. He was playing nose tackle, and he was playing extensively. And you know, that, they, hey, that defense had significant personnel issues, and we're talking about this defense being the worst since that.
0: Yeah, Mason, yes. To answer your question, it, it is something that we need to be talking about, and it is concerning now. Uh, rightfully so I think we all changed our expectations when Vaughn went out and I think week by week we've changed our expectations I give a full pass just like you did to this defense last week because that was just an incredibly challenging task that they were facing so Vic you get a pass for that but Mace what did we say about this Broncos offense going into the season we said If they put up 24 points, that's kind of the magic number for this team because the Broncos were going to have a good defense. Not elite after Von Miller went out, but a top 10 defense. The Broncos should win if they score 24, 25 points in a game. Well, Mace, if the Broncos were scoring 24 points per game, which they're not, but if they were, they would only have two wins based on what this defense has done. They've only held teams under 24 points twice. That was the New England Patriots, who look almost as bad as the Jets, as we found out last night. Just a last-second field goal better than the Jets. And the Tennessee Titans, who good team, so they had a good performance. But you have to go all the way back to week one, opening day, two months ago, September, to find that good performance. Since then, Mace, they've given up 26, 28, 28, 43, 30, and and 34, along with the 12 to the Patriots. That's not good, and that that is
1: concerning. And don't forget the Titans game; Stephen Guskowski left ten points unscored. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, because he was one for two on PATs and one for four on field goals. So, if Guskowski is at his normal level, you're talking about twenty six points against the Titans, too.
0: Yeah, that that's a really
1: good point. And and, and that, that Pittsburgh was was twenty four. And you had the safety on top of that. But still, that's hitting kind of that magic mark of, of, of 24 points allowed, or not so magic in this case. And, and, the, and the offense in recent weeks, I mean, obviously, it's tilted toward the fourth quarter. But you're starting to see signs of it, to, of it getting things together. Three of the last five games, Zach, the offense has put up 27 or more points. And uh, going back to the Jets game, you, get, you scored 37 then, then 18 against the at 55. Seventy-one, as I do the quick math, one hundred and two, uh, and and one and one twenty-nine. So one hundred twenty-nine points in the last five games. Zach, that's just a shade under twenty-six points a game that, that wow. the Broncos are scoring right now. And, and what, and you what have, have you thought done? That would have been good enough.
0: Yeah, you you certainly would have thought that would have been good enough. So what is that? Three and two
1: in those mm-hmm. games man you and you yeah how to be four and one and two of those wins are you just mentioned that matchup that was like watching two mice fight last night in New York <laughs> between the jets and the patriots <laughs> and then uh you know what what are the chiefs in this are they the lion with with two mice fighting <laughs> yeah they're they're the lion and then the chargers and falcons are 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 somewhere in between i mean i guess they're like uh uh, you know well you don 't want to say a cheetah because a cheetah has a, a distinctive quality of speed there there are a couple of zebras, I guess <laughs> oh gosh, the, what are the broncos <laughs> are they, they're a zebra they they're, they're okay. somewhere in, okay. they're, they're, they're somewhere in between okay yeah they're, they, can, they're a horse. They, can take, they can take care of the mice but yeah, uh, but they can't outrun the lion <laughs> right and that's and that's where you now you, I saw you yesterday mention what the Broncos have left on Twitter in terms of the quality of their opponents. I mean, do we believe that the Raiders and Dolphins are in that middle or are they, are, are they nudging closer to that, that top level of teams? Because, frankly, the way this is looking to me right now, Zach, is that the Broncos will beat the teams that are clearly bad against teams that are in the middle. They'll probably be a 500 team. And then against the elite, the Saints and the Chiefs, Perhaps the Bills now, after we saw uh, the number they laid down on the Seahawks, that's three teams that you probably don't expect to beat, and then five games that are, kind of, that are coin flips, kind of like the Chargers game, kind of like the Falcons game. But if the Raiders and Dolphins are playing better, those aren't coin flips. Those are games the Broncos are going to be underdogs in.
0: Yeah, and there, there's a good possibility, Mace, that the Broncos could be underdogs this entire season.
1: Amazing, because they haven't been a favorite yet. No, no, not even against
0: the Jets. The Jets. Not even against the Mice, uh, like the Jets Whoa. and the Patriots. So good, good job on the Broncos for pulling out upsets in those games. And, of course, also pulling up the upset at home against the Chargers. But it's a very, very tough road sledding. because, Mace, look how good the Panthers looked uh, this past weekend going in against the mighty Lions that are the Kansas City Chiefs and, and nearly taking them down. I mean, with Christian McCaffrey on that team, they don't just look they, – they look a lot better than their 3-5 and five record. And you're on the road for that game. So that is the team with the worst record that you play. I guess them and the Chargers have the worst record. And, look, you, you beat the Chargers by one on a last-second throw. Now you're going to have to go play them in their stadium. So I'm not saying the Broncos are, are losing every game from, from here on out, but it is a super, super tough road. And it kind of seems like we're leaning on the offense – to now win these games, as opposed to entering the season, it was all about the defense. It, it was all about what the defense was going to do. And now just the way this is trending, if you look at this, you have to say, just by looking at the stats recently, Mace, going all the way back to week two, that for the Broncos to win, they have to score you know, 27, 28, 30 points
1: in order to win. That's crazy. It's crazy. And, and it comes in the shadow of, the defense doing some things right. I mean, obviously the, the last couple of games, they've leaked yards, they've leaked points, but in in the last four games, Zach, the Broncos have forced seven takeaways, t- seven turnovers, seven takeaways for the defense. We talked about that being a problem earlier in the season. It's not been a problem the last few weeks. They've two of the last four opponents they've held to under 300 yards, including the Kansas city chiefs. So what's happened, but there's, a disconnect they're giving, you know, they're, they're allowing, they're allowing points. And, you know, this is where kind of the, the old cliche about the most important thing is what happens on the scoreboard, right? When you're evaluating a defense yards, 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 but uh, if you're giving up points, it doesn't matter. And the Broncos kind of have the, they're, they're in the opposite situation of the Dolphins who are uh, not giving up points, but they're giving up yards. The Dolphins or that the Broncos They've had some games where they've done a good job limiting the yardage count, but they can't limit the point count. I mean, so, so what's this connect? How do you, how do you get this fixed? Because as we saw against the chargers, just because you get the cornerback complement back to full strength just because you're going to get Shelby Harris back. It doesn't mean that you're going to fix this because you're still playing without Vaughn Miller trail, Casey, Mike Purcell.
0: Yeah. And who is this Broncos defense specifically against the run with Shelby Harris? but no Mike Purcell because last week uh, against the Falcons, Mace, they were actually fine against the run only gave up 92 mm-hmm. yards. Now it's because the Falcons really could do whatever they wanted in the air. So that's what mm-hmm. they did. But are the Broncos with Shelby Harris back? Are they closer to what they were last week where they can hold teams to right around a hundred or even under a hundred? Or are they like the team they were the week before when they played backup running backs uh, of the chargers and gave up 210 yards and they did have Shelby Harris uh, during that game, that is going to be a big defining factor for this defense moving forward because the pass defense should be worlds better with AJ yeah. Boye and Bryce Callahan back than, than what they were against the Falcons. But it doesn't really matter that much if you can't stop the run.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and looking at the Raiders this coming Sunday, you know Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's not really that great on a per carry basis—three point seven yards per carry. But the Raiders are going to feed him. Yeah. He's averaging, Zach. He's averaging twenty attempts a game right now.
0: Ooh, that's they that's have, a
1: workhorse. Yeah, they have no hesitation feeding him. And then uh, the relief back, who has thirty-three carries, our old friend Devonte Booker and he's averaging nearly seven yards an attempt. Insane. <laughs> Insane.
0: I mean, oh. how, how classic is that? And how Raiders is that, that, uh, you know, a Broncos draft pick that doesn't really work out, that the Broncos don't really use his final year here, goes out to Las Vegas and rushes for seven yards an attempt. And, and, and how many times does he see in the ball per game, Mace?
1: Uh, he's seeing the ball four times a game. I mean, that's,
0: that's a decent sample size, you know, You're almost rushing for 30 yards on four attempts.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, and then he's, he's, let's see, what is he doing? He's not doing that much in the passing game. So he's got eight receptions for 60 yards. So he's touching the ball five times a game. He's strictly a relief back, but he's been a really good, <coughs> good relief back. He wouldn't be a story in most games. He's a story here just because he was a Bronco. They let him go. He's had the longest run of his career this year remember the thing with Devonte Booker is that he didn't have the breakaway runs his yep. longest rush as a Bronco was 26 yards at least his longest rush that stood up I think the longest <laughs> run that he actually had got wiped out by a Garrett Bowles holding penalty yeah uh,
0: it, it, where he made a, a sports center you know top 10 play and uh, all came back
1: <laughs> I know I, I, I just poor Devontae, poor Devonte. I mean it, <laughs> There would be something painful. I mean, if we're just going to throw another log yeah. of misery on the fire for this defense right now, Devontae Booker having the longest run of his career, having the first 50-yard run of his career on Sunday would just do it.
0: Yeah. Devontae Booker running on the Broncos defense would be the most 2020 Whoa. thing for the Broncos. I mean, at that point, uh, you just have to laugh through the the pain because that would just be – be brutal but it's a reality that could happen now Devonte Booker is he going to go off probably not you know the right. odds are that it is going to be Josh Jacobs but it's it's a concern especially for this game Mace uh, if Josh Jacobs gets going they're just going to continue to feed him and Derek Carr has done a fantastic fantastic job of doing what he needs to do against the Chiefs he threw three touchdowns uh, on the road to put up 40 points for the Raiders. Other games, he's totally fine, just going one touchdown, no interceptions. Derek Carr is not a guy that is going to lose a game for the Raiders. And on, on the flip side, he can win games for them. He's just not going to lose. What does he have, two picks on the season?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe so. I'm looking at that right now. Two interceptions, 16 touchdowns. And the interesting thing, the, the last couple of <clears> – <throat> pardon me. The last couple of games, the Raiders have kind of parked the bus in the passing game. They've been limited. Their passing yards, total passing yards, now this counts for sack yards as well, the last two weeks, Zach, total passing yards is 260. So they're averaging 130 a game. But they've won both games, partially because in Cleveland, the wind was ridiculous. Nobody was passing the ball. So the Raiders said, we're going to keep it on the ground. And they ran for over 200 yards. In that contest, a buck sixty on the ground against the chargers uh, the the thing about the Raiders that makes them troublesome is the fact that they are developing into an offense that 's a chameleon that can beat you whatever way you allow them to that if you try to take away the the run they can beat you over the top they can beat you with Henry Ruggs if you try to take away the pass they 'll happily run the ball all day and that 's what is most interesting and most concerning for the Broncos as an AFC West rival long-term is seeing that the Raiders are developing into this, into this offense that can take any one of three or four paths to victory. Now that being said, the, the way the Raiders would like to go, it involves balance. It involves having a strong running game because they are five and one Zach when they rush for at least 100 yards this year, 0-2 mm. when they don't. They do want to keep it on the ground if possible and establish that running game.
0: Ah, there's a little magic number for you, Mace. I I love it. I unfortunately can't use that one because I've already used 100 before and people would get after me. But you're absolutely mm. right, Mace. So bringing this back to the Broncos, Mace, how did the Broncos get this turned around on defense or – Can they get it turned around on
1: defense? Well, you're hoping to stop the bleeding. And stopping the bleeding means getting this thing down to where your defense isn't accounting for 30-plus a game. So let's just say 29 in Kansas City because let's eliminate the kick return. Let's eliminate the, the pick six. Sure. So 29, 30, and 34. 59 plus 34, 93. 31 points a game. Can you find a way to get that down to twenty four points again can you take Can you take one touchdown off the board, knowing that the first two thirds of those games
0: oh mace we're we're losing you all, all right. right, mace. there we go. We got you again welcome hey. back so so fill me in get Give me all of the insight on how the Broncos get this down to the respectable twenty four points
1: you get down to a respectable level by first of all you get Shelby Harris back in. What was interesting in that Chargers game is how much better the run defense was with Shelby Harris than without him on the field. So get him, get him back at, out there. You may ask him to play more than he was before, and that's, that's okay. You, you ask him to, to do a little bit more, play a few more snaps, and then you've got to make sure that your tackling is sound. You keep, it was kind of a theme in, of parts of Sunday's game against the Atlanta. They were going to get their, their connections. They were going to get their carries. Make sure that you limit the damage. Make sure that they're not getting yards after contact, yards after the catch. And I think that's true on the back end as well. You're basically you're in a position now where with the personnel losses, you don't have much margin for error. So you can't allow the intermediate plays to become big explosive ones downfield. So basically good, the best you can do here is good sound tackling to limit the damage over and over and give yourselves a fighting chance to to get off the field, to force your opponents to sell for field goals instead of touchdowns, and then hope that the overall picture of the offense, I mean, you hate the fact that it's taking until the fourth quarter, but the overall picture of the offense does mean you can be a steady 24-point per-game team on that side of the ball and find ways to win 24, 23, 27, 24.
0: Yeah, Mace, I totally agree. 24 is the magic number for this defense, knowing that they are banged up there. You know, Mike Purcell isn't walking through that door. Von Miller, at least for the next few games, is not going to be there for the Broncos. So they need to just limit the damage. They cannot be giving up big plays. And Mace, when I'm looking at the numbers on what's different these past three games as opposed to the first five games of the season, it's really the passing defense. In the past three games, the Broncos or I'm sorry, I was looking at, at the wrong numbers. Um, but but that's still, that still holds true. The Broncos' passing defense in the past two games has given up 270 yards and 275 yards. They were giving up some big plays early in the season as well, but there was a time when they really clamped down and were giving up less than 200 yards. I think the Broncos' pass defense needs to go back to that uh, and really needs to clamp down. And that's something that should be able to happen. When you have A.J. Boye and Bryce Callahan back, Although they had those guys for you know a good majority of the game two games ago against the Chargers and still gave up 275 yards somehow they only gave up 185 passing yards to the chiefs they need to get back to that form because Vic's going to have to help this defensive lineup especially especially this week and you really should be able to limit the Raiders specifically for this week in the air uh, you know Darren Waller is going to have his don't let him break free after he catches the ball but You know, Henry Ruggs, he hasn't really been a threat this year deep down the field, but you can't let him get his. And other receivers, don't let Hunter Renfro
1: beat you. (laughs) Hunter Renfro, Mr. Small Hands. And and he is leading the Raiders in receiving yards right now. One of the interesting things about the Raiders in terms of their pass game, Zach, is how you have four guys with over 220 yards, with at least 220 yards receiving. Starting with Henry Ruggs and, you, and Nelson Aguilar with 347, Hunter Renfro, 369, Darren Waller, 394. Now, Darren Waller, he's only averaging, averaging 7.9 yards of catch. So you're kind of limiting the damage from him uh, a little bit, but he's still got four touchdowns. He's still a red zone threat. This, this is a team that it will take what's there. And the concern that you have is can they hold back everything? Can they hold back Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs? and Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro, and Nelson Aguilar. Uh, And that's where your cornerback depth comes into play. It's going to be amazingly helpful to have both Boyer and Callahan back in this game, assuming Boyer makes it through the protocol and Callahan is feeling up to it. Because you do need all hands on deck in the secondary to try to contain this. Because Derek Carr will just throw to the open man. He'll find the soft matchup, and he'll exploit it. Yeah, and Mason, if the
0: defense can't turn it around in these next two games where you're playing the Raiders, who can be good, but also you, you can you can do good work on them. Or the Dolphins, where yeah, Tua's playing really well, but he's still a rookie. Vic Fangio should be able to 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 hold him in check. If you don't do it against those two teams, then it is major concern for the Broncos, not just in the following two weeks where they play the Saints and the Chiefs on the road, because obviously that'll be very tough sledding if you can't turn this defense around. But what that means for the future, obviously Broncos still will get Von Miller back uh, if they want him next year, even maybe at the end of this year, they'll still get some other players back. But then we're talking about how this team in 2020 really went from a defensive team to an offensive team this year, maybe a
1: year or two before we expected that that switch to happen. Yeah, and that means it's incumbent upon the offense to, to to figure things out as well as possible. And remember, next week against the Raiders, you get to that game, and right you're talking about a good scoring defense, particularly in their last six games. In the last six games, Zach, the Raiders have have given up a hundred and nine points, and so that is roughly 18 a game. Wow. So the point being, we were talking about 24, 24 is probably still something of a magic number for the offense, but that might be tough to find against a, a, a Miami defense that while again, they're not limiting yards, but they're limiting teams on the scoreboard. They're, they're keeping them from finishing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mace that, that that's a really good point, man. I can't wait to break down this game even more. Talk about Derek Carr, uh, and, and his, uh, eyeliner talk about josh jacobs Devontae booker henry ruggs and jerry judy i can't wait to talk about see how the broncos can pull this off and mace let's talk to the listeners but before we do i have an opportunity for you guys to win to become winners again even though it doesn't look like the broncos may get many more wins the rest of this season we'll hope for it but it's going to be tough here's an opportunity for you guys to take winning and run with it right now it's of course becoming a member, joining our fam, using that magical code Broncos to sign up with us, become part of our family. So you can leave comments in our comment section. You can say hello. You can get your free t-shirts from the DNVR locker, your free DNVR mask, and you'll also get a sticker pack with your order, your Broncos sticker pack. Man, you get all three of those things. Plus our awesome coverage for a year. Use that code Broncos when you do to help our team win, to help the Broncos win in this competition.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing, Zach, is with that sticker pack, with the mask, with the, the t-shirt, you can think of it either way you want. You can say you're getting all that for free or you're getting our coverage for free. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Whatever your perspective, if you want to say, I'm getting free coverage at DNBR, then that's your play but either way make sure you use that magical code broncos i know we kind of talked about this last year when we're doing our own individual contest as well but it does say a lot for broncos country in the realm of denver sports if the team is down and yet we still get and we still get subscribed it's our way of kind of you know having a little bit of a a one-up on the on the nuggets for example who are riding high right now the broncos aren't riding high as a franchise but uh, we know you've still got our backs. We appreciate you listening, and, uh, hey, we'd appreciate If you're not a subscri- subscriber, we'd appreciate if you join us. And then you can chime in and comment every day on the DMVR Broncos podcast. Exactly, exactly. So we have never lost one of these contests
0: when it comes to our Broncos team against the other beats. Even though we're down, we're not out. Let's make that fourth quarter push right here. Become part of our team. Go to thednvr.com, click the join or become a member and then use that promo code Broncos. All right, Mace, this Sunday is going to be like nothing we've ever seen in November. Not only their college and professional football but there's a major golf tournament happening down in Augusta and all of that action will be on DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app and to celebrate all of the action DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100 that's right you bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action And there's so much going on from the tournament down in Augusta on the golf course to the Broncos games. They're giving you special promos and odds boosts every single day. So make sure to check them out. They're safe, secure, reliable, and making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the app store right now, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522
1: Boy, oh boy, you, you got me thinking about the Masters, Zach. I mean, <laughs> I have the music on my uh, It's beautiful. Hmm. What is it like hearing that in the fall instead of the spring? It's soothing any time of the year. We're going to hear a lot of that over the next four days, although with the autumnal colors of fall in the south. In fact, I was thinking about that last week, Zach, because in Atlanta, a lot of the foliage is is popping, and so we're going to see foliage. Uh, just beyond the fairways and greens of Augusta National. It's going to be lovely. And it creates a Sunday, by the way, unlike anything that we've seen uh, in the NFL in quite some time because with the Masters going on, Zach, most of the games are going to be late. We've got only five games in the early window, 11 a.m., and the Broncos and Raiders will be one of six games in the late window. So relatively rare thing more games late than early. The Broncos of course kicking off at two Oh five, but uh, you got a bunch of other games that, are, that would be early like Bengal Steelers, but they gotta be late because you gotta let the guys at Augusta do their thing. Anyway, sorry. You talking about that? just <laughs> got, it, got, it got me thinking about uh, how a tradition like any other is going to make for an NFL Sunday. Unlike any other that we've seen. I can't wait. And What better way to relax and enjoy the Broncos, enjoy Augusta? I mean, what a doubleheader that that you're going to have. You can watch the best in golf, and then you can watch your favorite football team in what is one of its most historic rivalries. By having a Breckenridge Brew, of course, it's the official beer of DNBR. When I was down in Atlanta, Zach, and I put a picture of this out there on Twitter, found that Christmas ale sitting there. Yep. And it is the season for Christmas ale. It is the season for Breckenridge Brews any time of year, but Christmas ale is the one you want. I'm looking right now outside and I see uh, the snow that fell last night here at the homestead. And you know what? A good Christmas ale to, to, to have in my hand as I sit and look at the snow covered landscape. That's a, that's a wonderful thing right now. Of course, if you're in the Denver area, you want more than just Breck Brews, you want food, check out the farmhouse. Their restaurant over at their brewery in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to pick up. They'll bring your to-go order out to your car for you. They'll even get you some beers as well. You can order an array of Breckenridge brews over at the farmhouse and so you can get takeout and get it to go. Of course, find it at your grocery store, find it at your local Costco. Don't forget about that 15-can sampler if you're in the state of Colorado. And like I mentioned earlier, had some Breck brews in Atlanta. I was able to find where I could get some Christmas ale in Atlanta by checking out the Breckenridge Brewery website. You can do the same, get that Breck beer locator to, to find out the nearest spot where you can find some of those delicious Breck brews and get a taste of Colorado, wherever you are in this country, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the,
0: Hmm. Mace, I'm, I'm so, uh, that's awesome that you found Breck brew down in the South, man. It's, it's now available pretty much everywhere. All right, Mace, let's talk to our listen or our wonderful listeners. First comment coming in from Casper says "Fellas, with the season half over. Can we look into how the rookie wide receivers have performed? This draft class was considered one of the best receiving drafts in a while. Were you guys correct in how you felt about them seven or eight months ago? I know we all love Jerry Judy and expect him to have a great career. So did Denver make the correct choice? I know a lot of people are thinking it's only been eight games. That's not fair to a player. Well, some of those people also want to say Locke is a puss after half of the season. It puts things into perspective when considering how different positions are graded. Mace, I think with this, I think uh, the one thing that we were all wrong on, the one person we were all wrong on, was Justin Jefferson. What Justin Jefferson is doing out there in Minnesota isn't just fantastic in in the best production of anyone in this rookie class. Uh, It's really historic how good he's been. And I think all of us thought he was going to be a good receiver in the NFL, but we didn't think Justin Jefferson was going to be this good. He's really the one that I think you know. Every team missed out on, ex- except the Minnesota Vikings. He has been so good, uh, but I still think Jerry Judy is fantastic and we're really seeing him come on the scene right
1: now. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. And by the way, we're going to have to use my computer microphone the rest of the way because uh, I think uh, I, I've got to figure. I've got to get this iRig figured out here. Now it's turning on, so ugh, gosh. Anyway,
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll get you back on that later. But we're Ooh. happy to at least hear you.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's. It is eight games. It's not fair to the player. And the other thing on Jerry Judy is look how well that he's played in the last couple of games. I mean, it's funny. I I did see someone pointing out that oh he's only caught uh, you know he's only caught about forty nine percent of the passes when he's been targeted. That's not on him. If you want to find something that's on him, find drop rate. And of course, drop rate is the one thing that concerns you right now. But a lot of the times that he's targeted, he's not getting catchable balls. So take that that target percentage out he's playing well he has best game Sunday and on that touchdown the fourth quarter kind of showed exactly what he's capable of uh, when he you know basically he he waves his hand as if he's running a go he stops completely catches the defender off guard to create separation that's the Jerry Judy experience that's what we're going to see more of over the years to come
0: yeah exactly next one coming in from world of suck Do not fire Pat Shermer. Can you tell I feel strongly about this? By the way, it was in all caps too. Look, I'm as frustrated by his play calling as anyone. I missed the the deadline to comment yesterday, but I put in a comment about how Pat Shermer dials up a rush on second and long at the second highest rate in the league, and how on Sunday seven of his 15 run plays came on second and long. Those numbers are unacceptable, and I believe that his play calling is holding the offense back. But we cannot fire him. Without Courton Sutton, Graham Glasgow, and Juwan James, Shermer is left working with a glorified version of a Broncos or of a Super Bowl roster. Or of a Senior Bowl roster. I was confused there. By the end of Sunday's game, every offensive player on the field besides Melvin Gordon was still on a rookie contract or an RFA tender. On top of that, Shermer didn't even have a full offseason to prepare to install a new offense. If these young players are going to jail together, they need continuity. Give the guys time to grow together. They're playing in a league that's new to most of them, and an offense that's new to all of them. Offensive success never happens overnight. Even Mahomes' unbelievably explosion took place in an offense that had been around for four years and almost made an MVP out of Alex Smith. Anthony Lynn has been coaching the Los Angeles offense longer than the team has been in Los Angeles, and Gruden's offense is finally clicking in year three with Derek Carr. We can't keep cycling through coordinators and quarterbacks and hoping success will magically just happen. We need to let the offense gel together through 2021. Please, for goodness sake, do not fire Pat Shermer. Give me continuity for the sake of continuity.
1: Yeah, and I hate to say continuity for continuity's sake, like like World of Suck did, but I think you have to bring Pat Shermer back unless it's an absolute disaster the rest of the season. You can't, if you're going to help Drew Locke, if you're going to help this offense, you can't keep starting over schematically. And the other thing is that, when you consider that the overall offensive production, you know the Broncos are averaging more points per game so far this year than any point in the last five seasons. Now, you'd like it if they happen it happen over the course of an entire game, but the offensive production is up, so maybe the play is just give them some time. By the way, it's going to have to be computer mic because I just tested it while you're reading the question. Yeah, this thing is uh, dead, dead, dead.
0: No, oh, no. Well, don't worry, Mace. I'll, I'll yeah. read all the questions so that okay. it, it comes in a little crisper. But uh, Mace, yeah, it, I I agree. If 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 you see hope and you see that he can be the future, then you go with Pat Shermer. But Mace, it also comes back to what you said. Uh, if a change is inevitably going to happen, don't mm-hmm. wait. Or what? What is the quote?
1: Uh, what will be done eventually yeah. must be done immediately. But it, it's, the,
0: exactly. Yeah. So if you realize that Pat Sherman just isn't the guy at the end of the season, then you do have to make the move. But if it's just because of, you know, it, it was a tough year, but you do see a future with him, then yeah, you do stick with him for, for continuity purposes.
1: Yeah. I think the thing is it's more likely if Drew Locke is just okay the rest of the way, it's more likely they add another quarterback. Then get rid of pat schirmer
0: yeah yeah and i think pat schirmer is going to get every benefit of the doubt
1: and that's the indication that i have right now
0: yep slc broncos chimes in i wish us in broncos country would have more patience i understand things have been rough the past few years and i get it peyton manning spoiled us all during that four-year run but damn this team is so so young we can't keep screaming to fire everyone after the slightest thing goes wrong is continuity not a thing anymore these things take time, and I don't even need to mention the injuries. We all know that story. It's unfortunate, but we have to ride this thing out. I feel like we're going to get more and more of these types of comments, Mace. So, yeah, just, <laughs> just what we talked about, SLC Bronco. Kiwi Bronco chiming in. It's funny. Ryan mentioned rehiring Scangarello. I've been trying to find time to comment since Sunday's game, suggesting we hire Skangarello back but also keep Shermer. Since Gangarello seemed to be able to write a good script, he can coach the first half, and Shermer seems useless until the fourth quarter, so he can take over at halftime. Yeah, Kiwi Bronco. That's actually what I joked about yesterday. Uh, He goes on and says, wired "Wired how both offensive coordinators seem to only get one good quarter out of our offense. I think he said, weird how both offensive coordinators only get one quarter out of the offense.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, I think what happened last year when it's the first quarter – it's schematic and things that are being done well on the, on the side of the Broncos' offense. If it's happening in the fourth quarter when you're behind by two or three scores going into it, it's more schematic on what the defense is doing. In this case, seeing a lot of prevent looks in the fourth quarter of the last two games. I mean, Drew Locke is doing what he's supposed to do, and you hope he can take some of that and apply it forward, but you can't dismiss the impact of those prevent looks on what the Broncos are doing late in these games.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a good point. Next one from Von Iber. As far as the technical definition of a franchise quarterback, you know it when you see it. So like Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Kyler Murray. Yes. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Justin Herbert. Sigh. Yes. Love the guy, but someone like Teddy Bridgewater. No. Kurt cousins. No. Daniel Jones. Nah. Drew lock. I'm trying to remove my orange and blue tinted glasses here. Obviously, we all see the flashes. They're awesome. But at what point do we have to consider reality that hyper-talented people often show flashes of excellence? But unfortunately, as an NFL quarterback, you need more than that. When I watch Drew drop back and complete a pass, I feel almost relieved when it's completed, like a big sigh of relief and excitement. Then I think to myself, it shouldn't be this way. We should be expecting a completion more than just half the time. And it just doesn't feel like that to me. Obviously, as a fan, you live and die with each play. But man, when you remove yourself from the utter fandom, it's getting harder to see. I know consistency will only come with more games and practice. But from from the rational above, do you see it with Drew? Shoot, I don't know. Which kind of renders my point worthless. Can you guys honestly say that you see it?
1: You see flashes, but on a consistent basis, I, I, I'm not there yet. So and Mace,
0: that, that's the thing with Drew Locke is you do see the flashes. The past two fourth quarters have been tremendous. But Mace, what about the other 18 quarters that he's played in, in this season? I gave this stat yesterday that I want to run by you, Mace. In the past two fourth quarters, Drew Locke and the offense have scored 42 points. That's incredible. That's 21 points per quarter. Mace, on a per-game basis, that's 84 points per game, which is obviously a record that would never be touched if someone were ever able to do that. However, in the other 18 quarters, and I'm taking the one quarter against the Steelers that he played and taking that out. In the other 18 quarters, so 90% of the quarters that he's played this year, the Broncos have scored an average of 3.5 points per quarter. That's 14 points per game, pretty much. That is second to worst in the league, only to the New York Jets. And that's 90% of the time. So we, we see the Drew Locke and flash. We've seen it the past two fourth quarters, and it's a great flash. But we need to see that flash more than just 10% of the time, because you know what? Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, even guys like Derek Carr, who aren't considered the, the elite of elite, they're flashing more than 10% of the time. So I know what Von Iber saying here. We need to see these flashes where they're not flashes anymore, where it's, where it's his game. And you know, it's just consistently part of his game. And maybe it honestly needs to be flipped where you see him play poorly 10% of the time, as opposed to just exceptional 10% of the time.
1: Exactly. Because every quarterback, even the great one is going to have the 10% of the time where they struggle. That- yeah. If, if you do that, that, that's terrific. It's like I tweet out during, on Sunday. If you believe in Drew Locke, you see the flashes and say that's where he can get to, and you're optimistic and you're excited. But if, you are, if you're someone who's a little bit skeptical, you see what he's doing late in the games, and you're having Blake Bortles flashbacks.
0: Mm, right, where he was called the garbage time king.
1: Yeah, I mean, on Sunday, even though they had that chance in the final seconds, you know, it, it actually felt different. The Chargers game, they were playing prevent, but it was two scores going in the fourth quarter. There was still something plausible. The Falcons game, it was weird. That felt like Blake Bortles' garbage time.
0: Yeah, it did. It did feel different. Yeah. And, and you, you can write off uh, the, the Chargers game because they did come back and win. You, you can't write it off when they don't come back and win. Next and, one let's for, see, and
1: let's see what happens against a team that doesn't have a reputation for bullying uh, leads.
0: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Of course, the past two teams have had big time reputations of mm-hmm. that. A gooey Kunum chimes in. Am I a delicious treat or a future star tight end who has been afflicted with the Broncos 2020 curse? Please count my vote as one for Drew and Pat to get the rest of this year and next year together. Another vote here for continuity. No one should be getting fired. Everyone needs to calm the beep down. It's okay to criticize and be frustrated with games, but by all means, flail your arms in the air like an epileptic epileptic scarecrow. But my word, please, people, don't forget all the context. It's a Christmas beeping miracle that the Broncos are three and five considering everything they're dealing with. When did we all become so miserable? We can't be proud of a team that's dealing with a lot and accomplishing things against the odds. I swear to goodness, if people had held themselves to the same standards of performance they do, the Broncos, we'd have a better functioning beeping society, you beeping Muppets. <laughs> and since when did we expect quarterbacks who were drafted in the middle of the second round to be instant success stories? Man, I could really go for a gooey kunum right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good point about second round quarterbacks, of course. Uh there's also there are also pretty sound reasons why the success rate on quarterbacks drops when you get from the top of the first round to the back of the first round and then from the back of the first round to the second round.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Next one from Dan Burke. Hey guys, Zach, it was good to hear you say that Tim Patrick is nowhere close to the player that Cortland is because I completely agree with you on that. Back when Patrick was having his mini breakout, I saw a lot of the fan base saying that they were content to let Sutton walk because Patrick is just as good, but it's clear to see there's a significant talent difference between the two. I heard conflicting things on whether Sutton is eligible for an extension this off season, but would y'all consider buying low on Sutton this offseason with an extension? I know that the Broncos are cognizant about the level of guaranteed money that they can give to players because of rumored poor cash flow, but considering Sutton's coming off a significant injury, the Broncos could benefit by being able to offer him less guaranteed money. What do y'all think? Mace, how much, how much of a discount could the Broncos get on Sutton after this year?
1: Mm. It depends. I mean, I'll, what kind of discount do you think Cortland Sutton is willing to give them?
0: What is he, a win-healthy $20 million receiver?
1: Maybe not that much with uh but uh, he he's close to it. He has to prove that he's all the way back before we talk about him being twenty million dollars a year. Okay. And thus, it's the whole thing of is he going to bet on himself or does he want to take? Uh, would he want to take the guaranteed cash? I mean, that's that's the only thing. Uh, knowing the Broncos, they're going. They they will not give him the deal. Right. They would want to see him play it out.
0: If you're the Broncos, and this is tough because of next year, you have the salary cap that's going to be down. So you don't want to be paying players more that you don't have to be paying a lot. And also with the cash uh, issues, it's just a tough conversation. But Mace, would you pay Cortland Sutton four years, $60 million after this season without knowing how healthy he is?
1: Probably not. And part of the reason why is you're seeing the, you're seeing the indications that Jerry Judy can be a wide receiver one. And that's part of it as well because, Judy, you've got under relative cost control for four seasons after this if you give him the fifth-year option. And that's what this, is, what this is going against here is Jerry Judy's development, KJ Hamler's development, and saying, all right, if Judy's becoming a wide receiver one and KJ Hamler's becoming a legit complementary threat, do we need to be paying Cortland Sutton that much when, when we can probably spend the money elsewhere and know that we're going to have to pay Jerry Judy? The timing could work against Cortland Sutton getting a deal from the Broncos. And the reason why the notion of having Tim Patrick at a contract is saying, all right, Judy can be your wide receiver one, but maybe Tim Patrick is a good complement, showing that he can be a complement over the years, and he can do so at a fraction of the cost. I don't think anybody really expects Tim Patrick to be Cortland Sutton.
0: No, no. So Mace, do you do it for four years, 48? So that would be 12 a year. If you're um, the Broncos.
1: Yeah, I do. I do Cortland Sutton for that. Amount. Yeah, but I would do. But would Cortland take that deal?
0: Probably not because he knows he just has to play one more year or even half a season to prove that he's a $20 million player. And then he's about going to double that salary. So I think that the disconnect, a big enough disconnect will be there where a deal won't get done. But to answer your original question, Dan Burke, yes, he is eligible for an extension after this year.
1: And went on the market, his agent's probably saying, look at my production. And I did this with Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, Drew yeah. Locke.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. There you go. Mace, next one is for you.
1: Count Locula, cookies or cake, all-time favorites. Love the count.
0: Well, if it's ice cream cake, ice cream cake 100 times out of 100. If it's a cookie ice cream, that a- a- every time as well hmm but if it's just a normal cake i mean if we're just talking about white fluffy cake give give me a give me a cookie you know what probably give me a good cookie over a good cake
1: i mean this depend th- th- this depends on the cookies or the cake i mean if we're talking about a really soft fresh baked chocolate chip cookie i mean that's amazing give me that if we're talking about carrot cake i'm going to take the carrot cake
0: so. <laughs> so what if we're talking about those two head to head the soft cookie out of the oven or carrot cake.
1: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Probably the carrot cake for me. Mm. Carrot cake.
0: You know, I love Snickerdoodle cookies and it okay. typically typically they're pretty hard, but if you can get a soft Snickerdoodle cookie it just melts, I don't think there's anything better. Except for ice cream cake, of course. Yep. Next one coming in from LDJ. Can we change the offensive scheme to Jerry? Judy is your first read. LOL. Judy is already a top five route runner already. And to work that hard and not be the first read is insane to me. Can we let Phil be the primary running back? You can't give the running backs 14 Gary's combined and win games. We cannot do that. We're going to beat the Raiders. I'm confident in that, but I'm just confused as to why this offense isn't clicking at the right time. It's not garbage time. You don't see you don't score three touchdowns in one quarter with a chance to tie if it's garbage time. Drew is finding comfort, but I'm confused as to why the identity of this of, of what the identity of this offense is.
1: Well, the one reason I'll disagree with you on on the notion of garbage time LDJ is uh, uh you didn't have a situation where the Broncos in the fourth quarter had the ball and could tie the game until the last minute. And that shouldn't have happened. The Falcons just had a brain lapse there at the end that kept them from running all but the last 10 seconds off of the clock. So Was
0: that, was that Todd Gurley again who ran out of bounds and messed the clock up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, so.
0: Maybe they need to, to use their backup running back in uh, like game clock management yeah. situations.
1: The other thing with Phil being the primary back – look, I agree that he should be getting more touches, but the work on pass pro there where he got run over for, you know, for the sack, unfortunately that shows why he doesn't play all that much. I mean, he put, he he puts his body in there as an obstruction. He's willing, but he just can't hold up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was pretty obvious. Ryan gave some pushback on that yesterday, Uh, but on Twitter today, our guy uh, Jedi Joshua was giving him a hard time for that because yeah, that, that was a, a tough sack. So, that that mm-hmm. Phil gave up. So yeah, I mean he he he's he's the best running back in terms of mm-hmm. running the ball for the Broncos. It also hurts when he drops the pass at the end of the game. Mace, would that have changed the outcome of the game? No, that probably not. But it's just not a good look for Phil.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I mean I want to see Phil get more more touches, more carries, but the coaches are going to look at it and see that he was beaten in pass pro badly and that he had two drops yeah yeah pro football focus credited him with two drops in the game and unfortunately those don't help his cause no to, to play more
0: no they they certainly don't all right Mace, before we go any further gotta tell you guys about our next tournament in wgt this friday through sunday we're hosting the dnvr M-S-T-R-S, you know, Denver Masters, DNVR, M-S-T-R-S. All country clubs can participate, and better yet, anyone can win. That's the key here, guys. You don't have to be the best. Anyone can win. All you have to do is join the DNVR3 Country Club in WGT head to the Pinehurst golf course and enter into the closest to the whole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pin Twitter thread at DNVR sports or email them to info at the DNBR. And once you enter to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt of their choice and mask and we'll ship it to you. We will host a new course every week leading up to Christmas. Winners are picked every Monday. You've got nothing to lose. WGT is free and it's a blast. So download WGT Golf if you haven't. Join dnvr Three Country Club. Head to Pinehurst Golf Course and hit some balls to get closest to the pin. Enter your screenshot and bam, you're in. Good luck.
1: Ah uh, yes, I always get into this. It's always an interesting transition when we go from WGT to Green Mountain Dental because you know what? What does good teeth have to do with playing golf on your device, on your iPad, on your iPhone? Well, you always want to have a clean mouth no matter what you do, whether you play regular golf. Or whether you play WGT golf. So here we go. Green Mountain Dental, the official uh, dental partner of DNVR. Uh, they've had several D- DNVR listeners switch to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. And they want you to know, they, they've reached out and let us know how great their experience was. And they want to say thank you for leading to a wonderful practice like the Green Mountain Dental Group. They're over in Lakewood, so you know it's a little bit of a hike for some parts of the area, but it's not hard to get to Green Mountain Dental Group no matter where you are in the dairy Denver area. Our sales director, Lindsay, just had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental Group, said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life. The doctor personally called to check up on her a few days later. It's the kind of follow-up treatment you get at Green Mountain Dental Group. They follow up, they care. It's not done just when you leave the dentist chair and when you leave that office, they look out for you. If you schedule a cleaning and x-ray and exam today, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure you check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area. All right, Mace, let's
0: hop back into the comment section. Next one coming in from Bronco Turp. My guys, it's a frustrating time to be a Broncos fan. And what's even more frustrating, seeing this leadership continuously step on their own feet Hire a defensive guru. Keep him out of the booth where he can see the field better. Find a young gunslinger quarterback. Fire the young offensive coordinator playing to his strengths. Draft, an all, to- or draft all the offensive fire- firepower. Never put them on the field at the same time. Hire the season offensive coordinator and quarterback risk were. Become inflexible in play calling and stunting offensive growth. Groom a dynamic local running back star. Play the overpaid vet. More money because who knows? I can't, I just can't anymore. If the old guard at top refuses to conform to the way of the new football, they all need to go. Elway, Ellis, Vic, Pat, or we all just bound to chase these young core out of town just to replace and repeat the cycle.
1: Bronco, Terp, you're in a dark place, my friend. Um, (laughs) I feel for you. And uh, the thing is I was going to sit here and and offer some hope and think, okay, you're – Obviously, a, a Maryland Terrapins backer. So, thinking, all right, is there a story from Maryland athletics that uh, that kind of is a parallel? Well, I I think in terms of uh, Gary Williams coming in after uh, Bob Wade uh, came in following Lefty Roselle and Bob Wade, who actually played for the Broncos briefly in the '60s, because he played football. Uh, nearly sank Maryland basketball program, ran it into the ground. But Gary Williams, as you know it took him about five years to really get the Turps going back to where they were going to the tournament every year. So, yeah, I mean, you just get, it takes time, unfortunately, but, and, but this is sort of why we were talking about Pack Schirmer earlier and saying, is it counterproductive to fire Pack Schirmer after this year? I just, I think part of the reason why you're talking about all these issues is changes, 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 changes. Maybe you just got to ride something for a couple of years and see where it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly the argument of continuity. It may not always look good at first, but uh there's something to be said about that, no doubt. And man, Bronco Turp, hang in there with this man. Yeah. Hang in there. I totally understand the frustration and, and sad that's going on. Pick tosser 66. Guys, this is as clear as day to anyone watching these games. I don't care if the defenses were playing prevent. We have scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter of the last two games. It wasn't like we were dinking and dunking down the field either. The offense was hitting chunk plays in both games, and it happened because Drew was out there just balling. He he will never play like Peyton Manning because he is all Brett Favre, the same Brett Favre who didn't know what a nickel defense was until two years into his NFL career. And when Ty Detmer told him, and he said, that's it? Who gives a damn? Drew is not wired like the traditional quarterback, and you're not going to change it. Yes, he will get better at certain things over time, but he is not going to fit into that quarterback box. He is a self-proclaimed gunslinger. So what are the Broncos going to do? Are they going to try and force him into something he is not for the next eight games, or would they let him play? or will they let him play and see how he's wired and most comfortable and see if that is something that can be sustainable, scrap the Shermer system, whatever that is, and go all in on anything and everything that drew likes to run quit trying to develop drew. Can he produce playing his style for fourth court for four quarters? That is what we all want to see.
1: (sighs) Ah, good points there. Um, I was actually, it actually kind of is something I want to research a little bit because, yeah, he's not wired like the traditional quarterback, but also he's not hitting that 60% baseline for completion percentage. And is this a case where maybe you could get by not being that type of quarterback years ago, but that's not something you can get by with today? That's I think that's part of the thing that you're trying to figure out here because he is still missing throws that he could make with proper footwork, with stepping into his throws and not letting his arm try to do all the work.
0: Yeah. Mace, to me, the rest of this season isn't just about finding out who Drew Locke is and, and what he is. There's now three components to it. You need to find out between Vic, Pat Shermer, and Drew Locke. Who are, who's the future? Who are, who are the right pieces moving forward and who aren't? It could be mm-hmm. all three that are. And you can move forward with all three because it, it comes together at the end of the season and it looks good, or at least shows enough hope. It could be none of the three. Now, I don't think that at the end of the season, John Elway is going to make that decision that it's not any of them and move on from all three of them. It could be one of the two. It could be two of the two. But that's, that's what you need to do the rest of this season. Is it Pat Shermer that's holding Drew back? Is Pat Schirmer actually making Drew Locke better uh, and with his offense? And so you need another quarterback. Is it Vic Fangio just not being able to hold this team and guide this team in the right place? I don't think it's going to be Vic at the end of this year. I think Vic is safe. I think Vic is John's guy for another year unless things go totally uh, off the ledge. But if this offense uh, you know, takes a step back and doesn't have these fourth quarters and is still bad in the first three quarters for an entire game, then it's going to come down to, is it is it Drew, is it Shermer, is it both? Uh, and that's, that's what this season is now about, finding out who is the answer, who is the future of those three.
1: Right, and obviously the drops hurt, but Drew's got to be more than a 56.5% completion percentage passer. And over the last decade, Zach, I'm going to read to you the quarterbacks who in their second season in the NFL with at least 150 attempts completed under 57% of their passes. Okay. Hit me with them Jake Locker, John Skelton, Mark Sanchez, Curtis Painter, Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, Brandon Whedon, Kirk Cousins, and Tim Tebow. Hey, I heard a couple of Broncos quarterbacks in that group. <laughs> <laughs> Three of them, right? <laughs> yeah. And the only guy who became a, a good long term starter, and even then I'm not sure you'd call him a franchise quarterback, is Kirk Cousins. Right. And I
0: think the Vikings want to move on from him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is Drew, Drew's got to do more. Drew, Drew has shown the high-level throws. Right. But if he's going to be a viable quarterback, he's got, he's got to be better on the, on the you know fairways and greens type stuff, the kind of thing that you do to just kind of play par. You know? You're yeah. Not, you're not trying to – don't try to get to the green on a par five and two you know, lay it up, take what's there.
0: It's a great analogy, Mace. We've seen Drew hit the Eagles and Mm. he's done it 10% of the time is what the quarters would say. And I think that's a fair sample size is 20 quarters. He's done it twice where he's hit the Eagle and man, has it looked good. One of those times it was enough to beat his opponent. The other time he came up just short, but man, it was still a good Eagle. It still looked good going into Mm. the hole. The other times Mace, he, he hasn't even been hitting the fairway in terms of the Broncos offensive production and his stats as well. You know, it's going into the water. It's, it's going into the bunker. And two of those times in 10% of those times, he's man, he's come out of the bunker and hit that Eagle to make it look beautiful. But you're exactly right. We don't need to see, 90% eagle shots mace in fact i just love this analogy you set it up perfectly but you put it right on the tee. I love this mace you don't need to, we don't need to see 90% of the time that he's hitting eagles we need to see you know 10% of the time he's hitting eagles the other 90% he's hitting the fairway and then you can have 10% be in those bunker water shots what we've seen is not much middle ground
1: yeah Maybe he's Happy Gilmore. You know, dri- he's able to drive the green on a par, on a par four, but uh, as Chubs Peterson tells him, it's your short game that's embarrassing. And, you know, once Happy learns the short game, once he learns how to putt, you know, he says, Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. Maybe that's, that's what you're hoping with Drew Locke that he has that moment where the teaching of Mike Shula slash Chubbs Peterson takes effect and he gets the short game, right? And then you've got somebody who can put on that gold jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, this is fantastic.
0: I love this. And base, we didn't even have our golf guy on arcade today to come up with this. That was fantastic, man. I I love that.
1: (laughs) I'd like to know what he thought of that. Oh, uh, I don't know how you can't love it. And maybe maybe if Drew Locke plays well, you can uh, get Vern Lundquist to say, who the hell is Drew Locke?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And maybe by the end of the season, we'll be playing some sweet masters music as the Broncos quietly or or loudly roll into the playoffs. (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) You know, that was uh, by a, Kenny Loggins' brother, Dave Loggins.
0: Really? No, I had no idea. Wow. And there's
1: actually a version of it with lyrics. Really?
0: Wow. uh, We never hear that. (laughs) No, we certainly don't. (laughs) Man, I love it. Next one coming in from Y.O. Bronco. Hey, fellas. Wow, with the injuries continuing to pile up, it's so difficult to try to make an honest evaluation of this team other than which positions we need to upgrade our depth at. Listen, I wasn't a fan of Skank's. I think it was a terrible idea to pair an old first-time head coach with a young first-time offensive coordinator. But I also wasn't on board with the Schirmer hire either. It's mind-boggling how difficult this team makes offense look when you see it so easily for most other teams. Have they ran a single running back screen pass this year? Only maybe a couple wide receiver screens? Seriously. Our line couldn't block anyone on Sunday, so why not do it on purpose? They seem to prioritize speed in the offense, or in the offseason, and have done nothing to feature it. With all that said, I think they need to bring both Drew and Schirmer back, but maybe they just look at bringing in some young and up and coming college offensive minded guys as offensive consultants uh, to sort of pair with Schirmer and bring some creativity and maybe help bridge the gap between Drew and Schirmer. I don't know how Schirmer would take that, but at least they maintain some consistency while also looking to improve. Thoughts Thanks, guys. Well, Wyo Bronco, I think it's a very good point, uh, and I think it's a great idea, but it kind of, to me, falls into the, you know, hire Peyton Manning to be your offensive coordinator type uh, of, of dreaming here. If you're bringing in some, you know, brilliant college guys, they're not going to come in to be offensive consultants. Now, you're going to have to hire You know, an offensive coordinator at the college ranks to be your offensive coordinator. You're even going to have to hire a quarterback coach at the college ranks to be your offensive coordinator. You're not just going to be able to bring these guys in and have them be offensive consultants. And then at the same time, I think it's dreaming still just as much to say, okay, Pat, we're going to keep you here, but we need you to start incorporating all of these other things from these younger offensive minds. I don't I think that's kind of a dream as well. It's you either have Shermer and you have what Shermer wants to do, or you move on from Shermer and his experience to bring in uh, a young up and coming mind.
1: Yeah. The funny thing is when you were reading that question, I thought what's Derek Dooley up to these days? Now Derek Dooley was the OC at Mizzou in 2018, the year where Drew Locke, took some very positive steps in terms of his accuracy in running an offense that had a lot more in common with an NFL offense than the one he was running under Josh Heipel the previous year. Derek Dooley, though, he is the senior offensive assistant on, for the New York Giants right now. so he's, You could hire him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's probably unavailable, but uh, you'd, ha- and you'd have to create a position that looked like a promotion. For Derek Dooley but that's just if you're thinking like that that's just that's the sort of guy that you'd want in there somebody who has NFL assistant experience he's worked with the Dolphins he's worked with the Cowboys now he's worked with the Giants a lot of college experiences somebody who did click with Drew Locke in 2018 somebody that Drew Locke has said he learned quite a bit from
0: now Mace when I say you can bring him in I don't mean as an offensive consultant I mean I I mean as your offensive coordinator
1: well I mean again but you're I don't know I,
0: I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's kind of what you'd have to do in order to run his offense is you wouldn't pair – he wouldn't come in and be co-coordinator with Shermer. If he, if he has coordinator by his name, it's
1: because shermer has gone. And you're talking about yep. yet another change. But at least if you made – maybe that's the only palatable change. If Drew Locke had to have yet another offensive coordinator it would be somebody who has been his offensive coordinator before. So basically, <laughs> that's Derek Dooley or Josh Heupel. And I don't think Josh Heupel is leaving UCF for an NFL seizure. So Mesa could also be Rich Gangarello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we talked about that yesterday with Ryan. I know that's what Ryan would want, but it ain't happening.
1: Yeah, these are, th- these are some interesting thoughts, though. Albert BD5. I guess I don't get the narrative that Broncos fans are impatient that keeps getting said. I understand patience is thin in Broncos country, but let's not act like we've been watching the same movie since 2016. I think fans be more willing to show patience if we saw improvements or a blueprint back to greatness. Unfortunately, we see the same stuff over and over and no one knows how to fix it. Even on our own beloved pod, we blame Elway, VJ, Flacco, Osweiler, Keenum, Skangarello, Shermer, drops penalties, missed penalties, and so on. Which shows me we really don't know what the problem is. So, if we don't know what the actual problem is, how can we take steps to improve? We've been asking the same questions since Peyton left. So, if anything, I'm impressed with Broncos' country's patience, considering how 2020 has treated us. And then he followed by saying, I finished commenting again, no notification that AO just tore his ACL LOL, who broke a mirror or 75 of them inside Dove Valley to bring this luck to us. Yeah, it's
0: rough, Mace. I put out the full list on Twitter yesterday of the current yeah. Broncos that are injured. 17. 17 guys that are injured. Mm. It is just absolutely brutal.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I may have to go back. I keep track of like how many games are lost by starters over the course of the year. Um, I need to go do Ooh. some mathematics on where things stand this year. And uh, get out the old abacus and compare it to previous years because I think we are steaming toward a a record at least in the last 20 years of Broncos football. I mean, I'm just in the top of my head. You start thinking, well, there's Juwan James, COVID opt out, 16. There's Cortland Sutton, injured week two, 14. You got uh, uh, Drew Locks. Drew Lock missed a couple of games. Uh, you go to the defensive side. Jarrell Casey will have missed 13. Von Miller could miss uh, at least 12 uh mike purcell is going to miss nine yeah yeah
0: it's rough yeah
1: it's 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 beyond anything i've seen covering this team
0: yeah onion booty bronco says cut everyone we can afford to lose so we can keep vaughn Melvin Gordon is priority number one. We don't often acknowledge it, but Vaughn is the pride of Broncos country. And this booty ain't ready to watch that booty leave. He gives us our dignity in an era of suckage. Well, I think you, Onion, Booty, you must have missed uh, earlier this year when Mace and I pretty much had a conversation revolving just around this. So I think Mace definitely acknowledges that Vaughn is the pride of Broncos Mm. country.
1: Yeah, and there are going to be a lot of hard and difficult financial decisions to come in the next few months. As, uh, they look at the salary cap, they evaluate their, where their revenue is. And, uh, certainly you get optimistic about a vaccine and the notion that hopefully next fall we're back to playing in front of full houses, back to having that revenue stream on. But, uh, there are going to be some hard choices coming in the next few months here. Um, and, uh I mean, I'd like to see them find a way to keep Vaughn, but you also have Malik Reed p- playing reasonably well. I don't know. I mean, I really I, – I wish I could tell you I knew which way they were going to fall on this, but I don't. And, Mace,
0: they're not going to go out of their way to cut, you know, five players that they want to keep in order to right. keep Vaughn on the current deal he's on. I really believe that if Vaughn's back, which it could very well be the case – that it's on a different deal. I don't really see Vaughn. I, in fact, I don't see Vaughn being back on the deal he's on right now.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that you consider if you're talking about making a decision, well, Melvin Gordon, if he has the DUI and it voids the guarantees, and uh, Jarrell Casey has a contract that doesn't have uh, guarantees, uh, but is on the books for next year. Well, I mean, if you really want to, Vaughn, you really want to prioritize him, there are, there are some moves that are right there in front of you. I'm A.J.
0: Boye is another guy where you right. can save tons and tons of money with, I think, no dead money, just right along with, with Jarrell Casey right there. So you're right. If, if you want it to happen, you can.
1: Yep. That was part of the allure of uh, the Casey and Boye acquisitions. Yep. No guarantees left, nothing to put in escrow.
0: Yep, exactly. Next one from T-Dubs. I really don't want to come off like I'm making excuses for the Broncos team this year because I know a lot of guys haven't played well but I really feel like the injuries to this team cannot be overstated when evaluating the team overall, and especially our young quarterback. This year has been so fluky and I don't know how many legitimate conclusions you can come to given the circumstances. I want to see this team healthy and with a normal off season and T dubs. We, we all do. We, we certainly all do. Now you just have to wait. Do you see enough from drew lock this year to say that he is going to take that big step next year when given a full off season, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense just to close your eyes and say, I'm not going to care about this year because drew in this offense and Pat Shermer and Vic didn't have a normal off season. You have to say, do I see enough from them where they can take off? But is it realistic to expect a 4,000 yard season, 30 touchdowns, eight picks from drew this year? No, of course not that. And if your expectations were that high, then it was, it was just completely off.
1: Yep, and that's why I keep coming back to the, the hedge. I think the, the, the hedge of a youngish quarterback in his mid to late 20s, that makes a lot of sense because you, still, you give Drew Locke more time. And, yeah, there's going to be competition, but if Drew Lock can't handle the competition, then that's something you found out of, uh, in the negative about him. And I think that's the best call to say, all right, Drew's still the starter, but uh, we're going to be backstopped a little bit. That's okay. Hey, give him another offseason, another, another shot. See where it goes,
0: man. Obviously, the best thing by far is that Drew Lock is just the guy, and 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 it's over. But could you imagine a Jameis Winston in here to compete with him? That would be fun. That would be that would be a fun quarterback competition where we've seen some not very fun quarterback competitions.
1: I'll just name you a few quarterbacks uh, that are currently set to become UFAs that kind of fit that that description. You've got uh, Jameis Winston, of course. I mean, I think kind of he's. He's an obvious one, but you also have Mitchell Trubisky. No scheduled to be an unrestricted
0: free agent. (laughs) He would kind of fall down the Ryan Tannehill path though. Like a guy that
1: the team was just over. And then of course, trading for Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah, that's my second to, uh, and and I think John Elway really liked him. That was, Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't that the only quarterback John Elway was going to take in the 2018 draft?
1: Once Baker Mayfield was off the board, yes. Once it was obvious Cleveland was taking Baker and it was done, Darnold was the only guy that was on their radar quarterback early in that draft.
0: Yeah, and so you have to imagine that there would at least be some appeal. Now, maybe John doesn't want to give up whatever the Jets want, but the Jets are getting Trevor Lawrence, which good job to them last night, really making sure that they're in prime position for that. Uh, That was just crazy.
1: (laughs) Maybe Adam Gase has been promised something because mm. that that deep shot that the Patriots intercepted that was his call, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh man i, I oh gosh when 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 Flacco threw that up and i i I watch it, and i when I watch any game, I want to see good decisions, Chris play good football, and so when I saw that pass go up, I'm like, "What are you doing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean oh. he look, he looked in his prime for uh, some of that game yesterday. Baby, that was elite prime right there, man. That was, <laughs> that was something. <laughs> that's what John Elway was talking about last year.
1: Yes, it, it, you think Elway on some level was like, yeah, huh,
0: that's what I was talking
1: about. <laughs> oh, I bet he felt good watching it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Danimal had to wait an extra day to vent about the game because I worked Sunday and only caught the almost comeback once I tuned in. But let me open the comment with a question. Which of these is the worst that could happen on a Sunday? A, you get puked on by a passenger mid-skydive. Yep. B, you get home to see your puppy decide she wanted to show you what the inside of couch cushions look like. C, you turn on the game just in time to see our QB put all of his bad habits into one glorious interception, all but killing our comeback chances. D, all of the above. If you answer D, then we are in the same boat. <laughs> Oh no! Oh my gosh, that is like what? a country music song come to life. Oh my gosh, for real, that is oh. awful. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah. I, think I don't C, like... C is probably the best one of those. Yeah. Oh my.
1: Yeah. Oh I'm
0: getting boy. Puked on mid I'm So sorry.
1: I think I've got to put that one as the worst, just ahead of the inside of the couch cushions.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Oh <laughs> man.
1: So. And about this lock fella, as the Danimal goes on, I agree that sink or swim, this is his year to make his case for QBOTF. No benching for Rippon under any circumstances, but it's time for him to put up or shut up. Tebow time may have worked beautifully nine years ago, but we don't have the defense for that this year. Locke has the tools, but doesn't put them together in big moments, and I'm not seeing the small progress we're looking for. I see our OC simplified his reads as cutting the field in half for him, but I've never seen Locke look off a defender to open a receiver, call a hot route, consistently diagnose blitzes, or make it through all his reads, even when he had the time to. You can't win in the postseason without these tools. We will have Tannehill 2.0 without the Derrick Henry. I want the kid to succeed, but with so many of our stars nearing contract years, do we really expect players to want to stick around, let alone give hometown discounts if we aren't winning? Not everyone is a Joe Thomas willing to stay for life because he loved his team. We won't be in the Trevor sweepstakes, but if Locke does not definitively prove that he can raise the play of everyone around him, we may need to consider making some big moves to get in Justin Fields' territory come draft day. I'm hanging my hat on Drew till season's end. But he needs to show us he has 60 minutes of great football in him, not 15. Here's to getting back to even, Danimal. Danimal, I think
0: you make a, a few great points. And the first one is, a, is about Tebow. And you said, you know, Tebow could put together the, the last-minute drives and win games, and that was fun. What you also have to throw in there with Tebow is he was the quarterback for one year after that. I mean, he, he got his one year, and then he was done. And yes, the Broncos did get Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning's not walking through that door now. But they were ready to, to get a quarterback that was not just going to play one quarter. So I think that's important to throw in there as well. Not saying that Drew Locke is Tim Tebow. Of course, he's a way better quarterback than him. Uh but but that's interesting. And the other thing that you said is are are players gonna take hometown discounts? Absolutely not. No, no, you you're not getting that anymore. In fact, I think you're a few years uh, over that and over getting hometown discounts.
1: Yeah, I agree. You've, you've got to improve, and uh, whether it's Duloc or somebody else, you've got to find the guy. You know you know where they're going to get hometown discounts? Where? Kansas City.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep. If Justin Herbert turns into the guy and the Chargers get some fans and Chargers start winning, that's where you're going to get hometown discounts. Uh, Raiders, I don't think you're really getting hometown discounts, so at least it's not every team in your division.
1: Well, then with the Raiders, what you're getting is the no state income tax in Nevada discount.
0: Oh, boy. And the opportunity to live in Vegas. Yeah. If,
1: they, if, if they put it together, that's one of those interesting uh, th- things to, to watch out for is a team that will be in a new stadium and uh, will be printing money once they actually get fans in that venue. And if, if John Gruden and Derek Carr figured things out, then that becomes an attractive destination, too.
0: Oh, boy. John, make this an attractive destination.
1: The other Ryan, well, The, the to- thing is, though, with John Gruden, I hate to – start to interrupt, but oh, yeah. let's move on to the next question. The thing with John Gruden is all these kids coming out of college, they know John Gruden because they grew up listening to him every Monday night. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, some, there's something to that that actually – that helps them and makes them attractive in that you have a generation of young players come, that are coming in the league. They feel like they really know John Gruden well because he was there. He, w- he accompanied them from Monday night after Monday night. Yep, yep. And when, when he's selling them on free agency, he'll say,
0: look, man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about Las Vegas, man. We're going to do a lot of
1: winning <laughs> here in uh, the Raiders. <laughs> hey, I, I, look, I can see why John can sell people on his vision. Yeah. He's very, he's very good at that. He has that gift. Yeah, he does. He does. But the thing is, you also got to know he's going to push you hard. As we, that's oh boy. Uh, the underrated thing with Derek Carr is that here he is now in year three with John Gruden. He's playing really good ball, and John is hard on probably harder on quarterbacks than any other coach on any other position in the NFL. And he's still standing. And he's standing taller than ever. It says a lot about Carr.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. Next one from the other, Ryan. My boys, I start with some good news. Jerry Judy is on pace for 968 receiving yards this season. Eddie Royal amassed 980 receiving yards, a Broncos rookie record in 2008. With Judy seeming to hit his stride, I think he has a really good shot at breaking Royals record and having a 1,000 yards receiving season. As far as getting the offense out of its early game doldrums, how about going back to week 16 of 2010 season when the Broncos faced the Texans at home the day after Christmas, the Broncos started that game with a running back slip screen to no Sean Moreno, which gained 22 yards and then followed that with a wide receiver screen to Jabbar Gaffney for 21 yards later in the game. Correll Buckhalter scored a 23 yard touchdown on the screen. The Broncos had the linemen and receivers to excel in the screen game. It's an easy way to manufacture yards and get to the quarterback and offense and rhythm. Pat Pat Shermer has called plenty of screens previously as an offensive coordinator. Why hasn't he called them this season, particularly with how much teams have blitzed the Broncos have a terrific day. DNV army salute. Well,
1: you know who called those plays in that game 10 years ago? Mike McCoy. (laughs) Wow. How about that? Just think about that for a moment. We're, We're talking about something that's, sort of an indicator of something positive and maybe you want to see from the Broncos. Well, the origin of it was one of the more reviled assistant coaches in Broncos history, at least based on that 2017 season, when he really did not set up uh, Trevor Simeon and and, uh, yeah, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Leash, you know, Brock Osweiler, we know they weren't the guys but he also didn't put them in position to succeed either giving, you know, basically having them learn the entire playbook and then literally try to run plays on Sunday that they didn't practice during that week. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, that's tough. Hey, I I like Mike McCoy. I mean, he's a, he's a good, he's a good dude. I don't get what he was thinking that year. I really don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, so you don't want that necessarily, but met multiple people in the comment section, calling for more screens. And it makes sense. I totally understand, especially with uh, all the talent you have in the running backs and wide receivers.
1: Think about it this way. You want to see running back screens with Noah Fant. You want to see tight end screens. I mean, we see what he does when he's in the flat. I mean, the guy, even on a bum ankle makes people miss. Yeah. Yeah. So tight end screens, running back screens, Bring back the bubble screen. Remember when the bubble screen was the bread and butter play for the Denver Broncos? Oh, yes, I do. DT. And that brings me to something else. What's the bread and butter play for this offense right now? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's another part of the problem. They haven't figured out what are the two or three things that when we really need yards desperately, the most reliable components of our attack that we can go with, that we can trust. They don't have that yet. I I would say the start to sustained offensive success is figuring out the bread and butter plays that, you know, if it's third and five, I need six yards. We're we're going to this. We're going to make this happen. If it's fourth and two and we need three bread and butter.
0: Yep, exactly. I totally agree with you, Mason. Last one, I believe coming in from salty Butler. Guys, I know the grass is always green on the other side, but I really wish we could have seen what this offense could have looked like under Scangarello. I'll be the first to say I had complaints about his play calling as well, but he was a first-time coordinator who was willing to adjust and develop with his quarterback, and he got Drew to 4-1. Shermer is a veteran coach whose play calling is just as bad, if not worse. I know this team desperately needs consistency, but I don't think Schirmer is the guy to lead the offense.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that they were a little bit impatient with Skanks. Um, I understand why they they made the choice, but I think whenever skangs runs an NFL offense and calls plays again, I think he's going to succeed.
0: Yep. Yep. He very well could. And he could be getting that opportunity uh, fairly soon. People in Philadelphia are really starting to notice and, and talk about him, which is, mm-hmm. is fascinating. So, Man, you just hope the Broncos didn't cut ties too early with him. And Mace, this is going to be a huge conversation over the next eight weeks. Is, is it Shermer? Is it Drew? Is it both? Is it neither? Do they need to go? Do they both need to stay? Consistency? Making the move now that has to be done eventually? It's It's going to be fascinating. And you know what? Hopefully we're talking about it, how the Broncos are still in this after this week's game. And I can't wait to break this game down with you and you guys even more as this week goes on. Get into some Raiders talk coming up because after all, it is Raiders week. And Mace, before we get out of here, got to tell you guys again about Green Mountain Dental. We've had so many DNBR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentistry. And they all have fantastic reviews. They reach out to us and let us know just how family-oriented Green Mountain Dental is and how great they treat uh, their, their clients. And of course, our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental, and she said it was the best dentist experience of her life. Just a couple days after she had uh, that, that procedure, the dentist called her uh, to check up on her personally, which is just huge. And of course, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam like a good family, they'll just hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush to you. And when you go there, make sure to tweet us and tag us so that we know that you are supporting Green Mountain Dental. So check them out. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Make sure to schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, thank you so much for rolling with me today. A longer pod for you on this Tuesday. We're so happy that all of you guys roll with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will talk to you tomorrow. We'll be live on YouTube just after 9.30, so make sure to check us out, Denver Time, 9.30. Make sure to check us out when we start breaking down this game. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you guys so much. Have a terrific Tuesday.